Borag Thong Earthlets. My name's Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 30th episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own Galaxy's Greatest Comic 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD and Star-Lord for February 1979, progs 98 through 101. This week, Angel Goes to Heaven... Flesh swims into the sunset and will rejoin Dan Dare and Robo Hunter as we reach the momentous Prog 100. And hey, uh, episode 30 is pretty dope as well, Fox. How are you doing this time? Um, well, to be perfectly honest, uh, slicey, slicey, oncey, twicey, claw and fangle killed red nicely. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, I was going to do that during the recap. Oh. You've stolen my thunder quite effectively. There's a there's a dance number. So yeah. Well, speaking of uh, unpardonable crimes, <laughs> thrill, <laughs> thrill one, Judge Dread. <laughs> I'm sorry. You son of a bitch. I'm uh, sorry. No, it's okay, buddy. Um, so Judge Dread this month is uh, script robot is John Wagner, occasionally writing as John Howard. Uh, the art robots are uh, Brian Bolland and Mike McMahon, and the lettering robot is Tom Frame. I realize I haven't been saying the lettering robots much, and so I'm trying to fix that and say it more often. We appreciate your hard work, gentlemen. It's true, man. You got to letter this stuff, and I really do appreciate like all of the, all of 2000 AD is uh, is 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 hand lettered at this point. And it's a real. It makes it real look real nicer than than typewriter lettered things, which look really bad, in my opinion. But anyhow, when we last left Judge Dredd, there was a vicious Clegg Hound eating his arm. Oh, the, but snap! Not well, the right I, one. Yeah, I was just gonna say the Cleggs are vicious Gator men from beyond the stars. They've been hired as mercenaries by the evil Judge Cal, mm-hmm. who Judge Dredd is opposing. But yeah, like you said. Unfortunately for the hound, the arm that he ate was Judge Dredd's gun arm, and he shoots himself free. <laughs> Which, awesome. Like, out the gate. <laughs> but then... Nothing like blowing blowing death mutts off your hand. But then, the Cleggs themselves attack <laughs> with their classic um, with their classic war cry. Slicey, slicey, oncey, twicey, claw and fang, oh, kill Dredd, nicey. Meaty, beady, <laughs> chop them neatly. Death or glory, no retreaty. Clegg high, Clegg high. It's so amazing, just dancing and singing and screaming. Ah, uh, it's pretty good. Um, oh, and then Judge Cal makes the best face I've ever seen ever in the entire world. Yeah, he asks uh, his lieutenant, Judge Slocum, uh, oh, those Cleggs are great. I wish I would have been a Clegg, right? And Slocum's like, ah, oh, you're uh, you're too good-looking to be a, a Clegg, uh, Chief Judge. And Cal's like, nope. <laughs> He's very pleased by that comment. It's true. But less pleased are the rebel judges who are under Clegg attack and have to make a run for it. Except uh, many are injured, including Judge Fernandez with his sweet mustache, who um, leads, who stays behind to lead a retreat. They all pile into a road liner, like this big kind of uh, truck bus thing. Yeah, and they make their escape. 
They're followed by Hal, by Cal personally following them in a hovership in close pursuit. He shoots the road out from under Dread and the rebels, and they fall from the highway 8,000 feet up, possibly to their doom. Oh, snap, what's going to happen? Well, when they hit the ground, they smash through the city surface of Mega City 1 and deep into the Ohio River, <laughs> the Big Smelly, as it's called. Which is underneath and in like the catacomb section, of Mega City One. I love how uh, on impact they're just ballooned and sandwiched in between a bunch of uh, crash airbags. Yeah, that's not so later though. For now, we just sort oh right, of, we just sort of they're missing and presumed dead basically. Yeah. And I'll note that uh, while the Ohio River actually runs from western Pennsylvania sort of to the Mississippi, I'm not super sure if it actually fits within the borders of Mega City 1 that we've seen previously, yeah. but don't worry about it too much. Anyhow, uh, Dread is presumed dead, and Cal calls for celebration. To celebrate Dread dying, no law for 24 hours in the city. Crime, oh, crime full zone. Woo! But apparently the citizens are so broken up about Dredd's death that crime actually goes down during this period. <laughs> Cal is incensed. He demands the love of the citizens. Meanwhile, the judges under Cal worry that he's fully out of control and that Dredd was the only one who could have stopped him. Oh, man. So, next, in the next prog, Cal is livid that no one loves him, so he makes anything that makes people happy illegal. You gotta turn in all your favorite stuff to be incinerated by the Justice Department. It's uh, it's pretty bad. Yeah. Meanwhile, we see that the rebel judges have crashed through the superstructure of the city into the catacombs underneath to the uh, the river itself, the Big Smelly. Gross. Yeah, a bunch of uh, downsider mutants advance on them, and things look bad. But then there's a voice. It's Fergie! <laughs> I don't get this at all. Fergie is the giant smelly king of the big smelly. He's, he's like, got a big baseball bat and a he's, lantern. He's super dumb. He's got a lantern. He's got a, uh, a denim vest covered in patches and pins and stuff. And he's yeah. got a constant cloud of flies following him around. And he's kind of dumb in a funny way, I guess. He smacks himself in the face with his own bat to try to kill one of his flies. Yeah, uh, I'm not. I'm not sure what the deal with Fergie is. It's um, <laughs> it's one of those things that they don't really talk about in anything that I've. Se- I haven't seen anything that's like here's what we were trying to do when we made this this joke character Fergie. But whatever, <laughs> he's there to be kind of comic relief or something like that. I don't know. Um, I guess anything's better than Walter. Yeah, Dredd tries to arrest him and knocks him about, but Fergie bounces back, and the two of them are about to have a fight. Yep. Until the final prog for Judge Dredd. Cal's making a movie about his life. He casts, <laughs> he has a casting call for Judge Dredd's, and they're all like really tall or a midget or really short or uh, really old or something. And Cal right. says midget and calls the guy, the little person who actually wins the role. He says, like, ah, Thank you, Midget. You've done an excellent job. It's you know he's not a good guy. No. Uh, he he. Uh, Cal casts famous Mega City One movie star Conrad Khan as himself. Oh snap! Woo! Conrad. <laughs> um, Khan needs some some convincing, i.e., threats to his life to take the role, but he does so. Yeah. Meanwhile, it's fist versus baseball bat as Dread and Fergie duke it out. 
Not a really great uh, game, personally, if you ask me. <laughs> Luckily, Dread is tough enough to earn Fergie's friendship, and after the remaining rebel judges commemorate their dead, and there's only like five of them left, there's a Dread, a Giant, and then the judge tutors, Griffin, Pepper, and Kelso. <laughs> Pepper they always hit- cracks me up. Pepper's a real jerk, um, but they head off with Fergie to stay at his place and make further plans to take down Cal. Also, Judge Schmaltz, because he's so schmaltzy. Well, no, Judge Schmaltz is the one that that like dies, right? And yep, he's got they, the sappy part. They try, yeah, like he does like a sad thing. Um, he like does like a speech, like you guys got to keep fighting, and then he mm. dies. And then they like, all right, he's dead. Then he, like he comes back to life for just a second to say like, and one more thing. And then he finally uh, death rattles out. It's really bizarre. It's like in the middle of all of this weird stuff happening. It's like super goofy. There's definitely uh, one of the things I like about Judge Cal is that while there is a lot of serious stuff with the uh, genocide and the murder and stuff, mm. like there's definitely also a t- an underlying theme of goofiness throughout this whole um, storyline. You know, they got the Judge Fish, even the Cleggs are kind of goofy. Like mm. all the Cal stuff's really ridiculous. Like it, it keeps it light and makes it less o- oppressive and dark and stuff. I mean, even the tutors are like super characterized and like try to play off each other it's very rare like that an entire thing will be serious in this arc so far yeah absolutely <laughs> <I> love it <laughs> like like all the characters are really hands-on on each other like cal like literally grabs conrad's forehead and like touches his chin and all this other stuff yeah he's pretty handsy with him uh, it's bizarre <laughs> like so good i enjoy this is like right out the gate, like, snapped me awake to read these comics. <laughs> um, this was absolutely one of my favorite dreads, possibly, just because it's so bizarre. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's got some pretty cool stuff. And this is definitely a classic um, dread story, for sure. Mm. Hey, but speaking of uh, non-classic stories... Oh. Thrill to Angel. Yay. So... <laughs> So, Angel is all, uh, all the scripts are by Chris, Chris Stevens. The art robot is, Car- is uh, Carlos Pino, lettering robot Jack Potter. So, when we last left Angel, he was doing a parachute test <laughs> um, at 30, from 30,000 feet, and his parachute didn't yep. open, and it was all, like, cliffhangery. And then, um, then some cool shit kind of happens. Well, so yeah, so he's falling through the air, blah blah blah. Luckily, there's a nearby fighter pilot, uh, fighter jet that sees his dis- his distress, and flies over. Angel grabs hold of the plane and survives the fall. But how they land is like really nuts. It was just like kind of a neat thing. <laughs> oh well, oh, I don't know. I don't pay it. They just what? They just come down with him holding on to the top of the plane. That's no big deal. From a nosedive to okay, I know. I was just like that was kind of neat. I'm just I giving it a man, I'm not expecting realistic physics from this story about <laughs> a dude with a computer embedded in his arm, you know? Hey, man. But, so Angel goes to the parachute store and, like, is like, hey, his parachute was damaged. <laughs> Sorry. To the parachute stores, because the plural makes it more official. Um <laughs> The uh, the guy who's in charge of parachutes is like, uh, oh yeah, I got this one special for you. Um, you better yeah. see that officer guy. And he, 
uh, Angel gets him to describe the officer guy, and it's one of the two members of the brass that was he was that we, the president ordered. It was the to, crippled. Dude, yeah, to have sick. Angel be. I'm setting it up, Fox. Hold on just a second, man. <laughs> <laughs> but when the president, you know, when he when Angel saved the president. Uh, the president had him work on this space fighter idea, and there were two guys at the top. Yeah, and one was one was one had a cane, and the uh, stores guy describes a guy with a cane. So, so Angel runs up to him and, like, you know, whatever, Doctor Butcher or whatever, and it's like, hey, like you tried to kill me, you're under arrest, buddy, and they <laughs> drag him away. It's not like he's gonna run. Well, he's like got him in an arm lock and everything, and all is like the two guys running after him. Are just trying to stop him from beating an old man to death. Yeah, he's got, he's got he's mad with computer power, man. <laughs> so with uh, with the traitor apparently caught, uh, Harry continue Harry Angel continues his um, training and stuff. He's ready for his big flight with the space fighter, and as he goes up, the um, the squadron commander gives him a um, like his watch. <laughs> Which... That was a good luck charm for him and his father during World War One and stuff like that. So Angel takes the wa- the pocket watch up with him and take goes up into space with the space fighter. And as he does, his computer senses tell him, "Oh no, there's something wrong with the watch." And he opens it, and it's got a bomb inside of it. It's gonna make a ho- um strawberry jam out of Harry Angel. Oh my God. So anyhow, um, next Prague. Angel manages to deal with the bomb pretty easily, but he like somehow jettisons it out of the plane, whatever. But it damages his plane so much that he has to bail out, and this leads to him uh, sort of falling to Earth, using his plane computer to successfully free fall from orbit to Earth, landing on the ground without any ener- without any injury. Besides his clothes burning up and just the incredible Hulk amount of clothes, so he's still perfectly decent. Oh my god. I'm just saying, the plane computer couldn't even prevent the actual plane from crashing, from landing safely when things went wrong. And now this guy landed from orbit without being hurt. Why did he care about the the parachute thing? That's way less distance. Anyhow, um, <laughs> it's such a dumb comic. A cop car shows up. <laughs> um, Angel like yells. I forgot. I forgot. Angel like yells at the cops and then gets in the front seat of the car and pulls all the wires out of like the steering thing of the car and plugs them into his computer shoulder. Um. And then, because the wires are plugged into his computer shoulder, now his computer is driving the car, and it drives very fast, and does sort of some some Dukes of Hazard type stuff, like sort of. Not happy. Yeah, they're like in the back seat, like freaking out, and the car like it does the thing where there's like one of those trucks that has like the the ramp thing on it to like carry cars, and the car and like the computer assisted car drives up that and jumps over an accident and stuff. Uh, getting some airs again. As they near the military base that that Angel took off from, he sees the squadron commander guy driving away from the base in a jeep. And so Angel, like, jumps out of the cop car and onto the jeep and crashes (laughs) it. And, you know, 
it's sort of general car fighting action, but eventually car crashes and the squadron commander admits to being bought by the Reds and uh, all's well that ends well. That's all for Angel. And it never shows up again, you said. Um, I mean, there's like, definitely no comic. more. There's definitely no more Angel uh, uh, comics. Uh, he will, however, have cameos, you know, periodically throughout 2000 AD. Like a lot of times, as sort of a punchline cameo. Like you know, his <laughs> whole fucking life. You, well, you know, just like he's like, that's right, chaps. I've got plane powers or something like that. You know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, man. Like I, on uh, starting this, I watched him assault an old man. Mm-hmm. And where it ended was, I'd like he him landing from orbit on yeah. his legs. He it's... just touched touched down on space, touched down on Earth, starting in space. Doesn't it's so care. stupid. It's so stupid. Like Mach One, at least was like, this is really going to mess me up, and he wasn't even in space. Well, and he, yeah, and he, and he didn't land straight on Earth. He la- he landed on a giant bog and like fell like oh, yeah. a mile into the Earth, and he had to climb out of the bog. <laughs> you know, like the oh, computer told, and his computer said that he wouldn't survive, and it was only John Probe's awesomeness that allowed him to do so. You know, as opposed to his shoulder shoulder com- computer. The shoulder computer didn't even have a personality, man. Like, Mach 1's computer had something. And, like, it's not like this dude's personality is really driving the entire show, you know? I mean, we didn't get a chance to see it that much, so it's like, whatever. But, man, Angel. He's the main character. Angel ain't that great. I meant Angel. Like, he's got no personality. No, that's what I mean, too. Yeah, Angel isn't very good. I think we can all agree on that. (laughs) Right. Anyhow. Oh. Thrill three future shocks, which we got one of. Yeah, just one future shock this month. Uh, script robot Mike Cruden, art robot Mike Dory, lettering robot Peter Knight. So, uh, a bunch of space space ar- archaeologists from the far future visit Earth after Earth. There's at Earth has been destroyed by war, and everybody's all dead, and there's nothing around and stuff. They go through a bunch of ruins to try to find the dominant, what was the dominant form on, of life on Earth when there was life. They put together what they find and the dominant form of life on Earth. Oh, geez, it's a television. Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> so stupid. Um, you know, and then Tharg's like, oh, think about it, Earth. Let's like, what's the, how much does television rule you, buddy? And it's like, okay, I get it. <laughs> God. You don't got to be a jerk about it. That's all I have to say. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with TV. Comic yeah. books, man. Get out of here, you know. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Yeah, anyway. Tharg, Tharg's being a real wet blanket. And speaking of things that are wet. Oh, oh God. Thrill 4, Flesh, Book 2. Things get gross. So, Flesh Book 2 uh, is written by Jeffrey Miller and, like... I've seen conflicting reports as to whether uh, uh, Jeffrey Miller was or was not 2080's first author, uh, Kelvin Gosnell. It could be either way. Weird. All right, cool. Yep. But so anyhow, uh, art this month by Carlos Pino, lettering robot Steve Palmer. 
So that guy Peters, who's a real jerk, but nominally the good guy in this story, is uh, being made to walk the plank. And he's not really liking his situation. Yeah, luckily, at that point, Atlanta's base is attacked by pterosaurs. In the confusion, (laughs) Peters secretly escapes. Meanwhile, in the water, Big Hungry comes up against the Cybersaurs, the genetically engineered ichthyosaurs controlled by humans. Big Hungry messes with their control devices and makes them go crazy. And they get all human hungry. Yeah. I mean, but uh, yeah, sorry, by crazy, I mean they start eating humans, obviously. Um, <laughs> in the inside the base. Everyone's um, drinking beer. Yeah, well, it's like, I guess so much for that problem. <laughs> but <laughs> the problem of Big Hungry still persists. Mad old Gunner Ben, uh, Mad old Gunner Ben volunteers to take out Big Hungry because he's still the best gunner on the, uh, in, in the Triassic period. <laughs> Even but then it turns as hell. Yeah, but it turns out it's a double cross. Oh snap! Why is in- that? Instead of firing his torpedoes at Big Hungry, he fires them at the base itself. In vengeance for Peters, the whole thing starts to collapse. And the beginning of the end begins. Yeah, it takes us to the final ass- to the final assault. There's monsters oh. everywhere. Carver almost gets eaten, but is saved the last minute by Peters. But it's not enough, because soon afterward, Carver meets up with Big Hungry, who eats him alive! <laughs> it was a literal, I'm, he went around the corner, and there was problem. Yep. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> Peters swims down to the bottom of the, of the station to activate the emergency time controls, which are now underwater. He triggers them to send the base back to the 23rd century, but drowns in the process. Crunched by, uh, getting crunched by uh, uh, Scorpion, too. Yeah, definitely didn't help. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the base disappears, leaving Gross, the former station boss, alive and well in a life raft that he had used to escape the mutiny, but now marooned 200 million years from Earth. That would suck a lot. <laughs> yeah, the Atlantis base, now lost in the time stream, ends up landing in the seabed of some unknown time and unknown place, perhaps leading to myths of distant Atlantis? Who's to say? <laughs> As for Big Hungry Fox, well, hey, uh, maybe you've heard of the Loch Ness Monster? <sighs> and that's it for Flashbook 2. <laughs> Oh, God. Um, It was over really fast. Yeah. Stay tuned for the next big flesh adventure, The Legend of Shamana, in 1992. Oh, God, that's so far away. (laughs) It's insanely far away. Oh, God. How are we ever going to get there? (laughs) I mean, you know, it's one piece at a time, Fox, just like Johnny Cash said. Oh, God. Yeah, but he it, didn't. He wasn't five percent through a jillion. <laughs> that's not true, man. If you listen to him list the years in uh, at the end of that song, it starts at like uh, fifty nine, and then or no, yeah, like 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 fifty fifty one or something like that. He took he oh, stole God. one piece at a time for that car for like twenty years. Fifty fifty one, fifty two, fifty three, fifty four, fifty five, whatever. <laughs> you got to plug away, buddy. Soon we'll just need some help from an adapter kit, and we'll have uh, these frogs humming just like a just like a song. Oh my god! Uh, so making me do country ended. music, uh, dead, deep cuts here, Fox. But yeah, I agree. Like, um, Flesh started in Prague um, '86, and yep. it's over here in '99. So like 13 pages. That's even less than the original uh, Flesh, which was 19. 
Yeah, and uh, like what I mean, especially by rushed, is just like these last two. Just it happened was a lot of the resolution. Yeah, there's definitely. I mean, you know, I think one. Th- I I think and this might be sort of borne out by the fact that they don't do flesh for a long time after this, but yeah. um. I feel like they've just sort of they've run out of stories to tell with flesh. Yeah. <laughs> like there's sort of some bad guy there's some guys, they sort of do some things, then the uh dinosaurs end up eventually organizing and lay siege to wherever the, the base is, and that's sort of the end of the of the thing. You know, I, I appreciate that once again the aliens of the or not the aliens, that the animals have won the day and stuff. Yeah. But, you know, we talked about it previously that the plot of this is very similar to the plot of the first one, just adding in Claw Carver's gold stuff. Yeah. Which has not been very strong. And then the lack of a, and like Peter's sort of coming in midway through, kind yeah. of ran- randomly as the good guy was also kind of like, eh. And it's just kind of thin. Like, there's not a lot of murder uh, from the monsters going on. It was a lot of like seeing them swim and then being like, oh, I'm all hungry. I guess I'm going to fight another one for a little while. And you're like, no, eat humans. Yeah, I think eat, the, like uh, a bunch of humans. Yeah, the sea, sea dinosaurs are just less compelling than land dinosaurs. And they used every single land dinosaur there was in the first flesh book, you know, it's true. All the one anyone's have heard of, you know, maybe you could do some brontosaurus yeah. stuff. Cause there weren't a lot of brontosauruses or a pat or a patasaur, you know, whatever the different dinosaurs, th- those big guys are, but they, you know, yeah, those yeah. are, those are plant eaters. And like, they had like T-Rexes and Raptors and stuff in mm. um, the first flesh. And that's basically all you, all you want to do, you know, I'm just saying it didn't have to be uh, a rig. It could have been a, a C lab situation, you know? That'd have been way worse. You and your C labs, Fox. <laughs> Anyhow, let's go to uh, non thrills, nerve center, and Rojaws and Hammerstein's laugh in. Yay. Good times. So uh, we start with Prog 98. And uh, low key, the, uh, the important thing in Prog 98 is the Tharg editorial where he talks about a new staff droid named uh, AALN1, who is the uh, robot stand-in for Alan Grant, who will soon be an important writer here at 2000 AD. But Mm -hmm. as we'll see sort of starting next month, actually, it's really the start of this concept of a Romanoclef. Like, here is a bunch of robots, and here's what they look like inside the 2000 AD offices, which are full of, which has Tharg and a bunch of robot versions of all the different writing artists and editorial staffs and stuff. Which is pretty cool. I've seen a picture or two. Yeah, we'll start seeing more of it. It's good to keep an eye out for, though. I think it's pretty interesting. Um there's also a letter from the mum of a reader with a poem. Which there's is cro- really cute. Yeah, there's a there's a crossword puzzle. And also there's a letter demanding female judges. And I think on the basis of this and maybe one or two other ones, we will start to see more and more female judges arriving here in the Progs, including the ultimate female judge arriving in early 1980. I'm excited. Yeah. In the Laugh-In... There are some <clears throat> some decent robot pictures, including one of Rojaws and Hammerstein that I'm fairly sure was traced. Uh, it really looks that way. There's a letter about why, uh, or asking why all the all the robusters have a button on them that says tax, which is apparently <laughs> something that all cars in England had as well, to show like the, yeah. that the registration fees have been paid and stuff, like a big button that says tax. I don't know. This is one of those mysteries of England kind of <laughs> things. 
Yeah, no doubt. Then our uh, our sequence on the ho- for the holiday on Mars continues with the actual space shuttle that you'll use to get into orbit to then go to Mars. Which is all right. There's so many vehicles to get <laughs> to go on vacation to Mars. It's ridiculous. I I guess you can't just go to your local spaceport. You got to go on like a couple of super cruising liners and stuff. Well, you got to take you got to take a car to the spaceport. You got to mm-hmm. take a plane, or you, you got to take a car to the airport, a plane to the spaceport, a space shuttle to the planetary spaceport, and I don't know. <laughs> it seems like a lot of hassle just to go to Mars. It's true. So in Prague 99, there's letters asking about, like, if there's a short version of Tharg's name, there isn't. There's a poem about how hard the mutants in Strontium Dog had it. And there's a pretty solid picture of uh, Rico, Dredd's brother. Yeah, dude, it looks really good. Richard, yeah. you, you, I hope, pursued an art career. <laughs> then there's a, uh, there's a two-page interview between art guy Kevin O'Neill and... And the uh, special and, and the Superman the movie special effects guy Derek Meddings, who is probably best known for both his work on the James Bond movies and these very Superman movies. Oh yeah. Uh, the then the laugh in is uh, mostly making fun of Mechquake while he's away, as we'll see in the next uh, thrill. And then a closer look at the command center of the shuttle from Prague '98 in our trip to Mars. <laughs> Next up, it's Prague 100. Oh yeah! Oh, snap. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> uh, rare non future shock air horns. Um, mm-hmm. So the nerve center is mostly taken up by a picture commemorating the anniversary by an art by a a, a, a writer named uh, Paul Cook from Hemel Hempstead. The problem is that it's so small on the page that you can't really make it out. Because there's like word bubbles and stuff in the in the in the picture, but you can't really read them. No. And then no nerve center or um, tri- trip to Mars stuff in Prague 100. No, just all thrill power. Yeah. In Prague 101, most of the nerve centers either a story about the time travel based Mary Celeste, or a huge picture of a space station that I am also very skeptical of in terms <laughs> of uh, tracing and stuff. Oh yeah. There's some in the- cool things going on. <laughs> Yeah. In the editorial, Tharg lets us know about a cool new weekly comic called Tornado. It's about a bunch of stuff. And while I wish it well, I'll also say that uh, Prague in Prague 127, the name of this comic changes to 2000 AD and Tornado. <laughs> the laugh-in is mostly Rojas and Hammerstein telling jokes to each other, but they aren't that great. A letter does have a pretty decent, like, mech, quake, Russian... Based limerick, but that's about it. Ta-da. <laughs> Laughing, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I think it's okay for a secondary letters page. They're kind of telling jokes. It seems I think it's nice that it seems like these the the writers really like these characters of Rojas and Hammerstein, I guess. Yeah. You got that's, your straight man, your funny man. Exactly. But that's a perfect segue to Thrill Five Robusters. Oh my god. Oh so, uh, my god. <laughs> script robot for all of Robusters is uh, Pat Mills. Art robot Dave Gibbons. Lettering robot also Dave Gibbons. A lot of, a lot of Dave Gibbons this month, actually, but whatever. 
A lot of John Wagner too. Let's get let's get going. So this is so awesome. So in the town of Northpool in England, there's a giant robot named Charlie that is both a lighthouse and a pilot for the ships coming into dock at the harbor. He's, he's like a total sweetheart. He's gigantic. He's got a big light built into his head mm-hmm. or into his chest, and he's real. He's real nice. But the introduction of mammoth jets has made the days of freight ships obsolete. I want to see a mammoth jet. Yeah. The city council of Northpool want to turn the city into a massive aerospace port, but to do so, they'll have they'll need to bulldoze the entire city. Uh, but of course, how are you going help? to do that? Yeah. Enter billionaire Howard Quartz, who has just the thing, his fleet of Terramax. Oh, yeah. Special uh, mention, this dude is a brain in a really sweet robot suit. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we haven't really seen Howard Quartz that much in, in or at all, really, in, in Robusters. So, yeah. So, Robusters is this um, is this disaster um, relief company. They sort of fix people, you know, help people who are in trouble. And to, do, and to be saved, you have to pay out the nose to Howard Quartz, a man who's called Mr. 10% because he's had 90% of his body replaced with robot parts. So the legal limit for, for uh, having your body replaced is uh, 10% and then you stop being a human. And so he stopped just at that line. It's but nuts. He's a big, rich guy. He's yeah. He's got a robot body, big eye in the middle. He's got a chest full of telephones that he uses to call people and stuff. <laughs> um, it's excellent. He's uh, he is one of my favorite character designs. And he's super rich in a super evil way, as <laughs> so many super rich people are. Tbh. Uh, so. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so Howard Quartz says he can help bulldoze the city. He's got his own thing, yeah, his Terramex. Meanwhile, we see the, uh, the councilman try to, like, sell the townsfolk on um, their new homes. So instead of living in, like, uh, multi-story apartment buildings and stuff, you can live in these underground reverse skyscrapers. <laughs> and, like, built deep into the ground, they've got, like, fun names like Cozy Down Burrows and Snuggle Down Warrens. <laughs> Um, there is there's no windows. They've got like cyber like a hollow projector on the walls in place of windows, and of course they constantly vibrate from underground bullet trains and transatlantic tunnels. But hey, you know it's fine. Jeez, man. I mean, it's like who, I, I, who would go for this? Yeah, who care? But also, who cares about these people's plight? Answer, <laughs> Father Flanagan and the people of North Point. Hooray for the father local parish priest man yeah yeah he asks charlie to help stop the demolition charlie will think about it but while he does big jobs the terramex are coming big jobs buddy so awesome (laughs) ah the terramex are so awesome yeah (laughs) there's uh there's tyrannomech there's fantastic tech there's king conka they're huge (laughs) They even, just gobble up and smash and destroy. Yeah, e- even Mechquake, who's usually like three times as tall as anybody else in this comic, comes up to the knees of some of these bigger ones. Oh, it's so awesome! Yeah, the uh, and the, they're especially big in comparison to the teeny tiny people blocking them. <laughs> the people say that they can't that uh, the town can't be destroyed because they're standing in front of it and robots can't hurt humans oh, and man. so the terramex basically have like a quick huddle to talk about this and 
like it's basically all the world's dumbest people trying to figure out a legal loophole essentially um like they just kind of keep talking and eventually they're like well we gotta do we gotta fulfill our work quota but um we can't kill these people but we gotta do the work quota so maybe we can kill the people yeah okay (laughs) in the words of my favorite teramek king Konka, i have 10 forward gears and five reverse gears and i must complete my work quota and then they just start to st- and then and then they just start destroying everything and chanting <laughs> destroy exactly and uh, then they do that yeah so they start rolling through the city um i just like how they talk themselves into doing it cuz they don't care it's like all right destroy the humans the town's being demolished everybody's dying and at last charlie is spurred into action charlie him angry leave those houses alone or charlie give you rough stuff and he gets awesome. So basically, uh, Prague 100 is Charlie just kicking the crap out of all these giant robots, <laughs> and it's everything I've ever dreamed of in my life. Uh, yeah, it's a toy commercial become real. Mechquake basically immediately escapes because he's a huge coward. Um, <laughs> and then um, as as Charlie, like, you know, he picks up, like, a piece of a demolished building and starts using it as a sledgehammer to take people out and stuff. It's awesome. Uh, uh, one part where he, he basically takes Kong, King Konka, smashes him into the ground, which then blocks two of the, like, road-based ones. And they're like, hey, you're in our way and you're preventing us from performing our work quota. The other one's like, yeah, you're totally doing that. We should, like, destroy you so that we can, like, complete our task. And he's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense, actually. And he's like, I'm going to kill myself now so that I can help you. And they're like, yeah, that'll totally help us go faster. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? But that's, um, yeah, I, 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 I think that was Tyranno, Tyranno Mech, oh, actually. Because no, King Konka has my favorite line where he says, uh, I have ten forward gears and five reverse gears and must complete my work quota. Therefore, I will defeat you, strange robot. <laughs> oh, right. He's the one who's got, like, the flails for hands. Yeah, he's got flails for hands and a monkey face. It's good times. Um, so, flying around the destruction, Quartz and Murdoch, who's the guy from the council, hatch a plan. They'll blame the destruction on Charlie, saying that he's gone berserk. Those dastards. Jerks. Charlie stands over the bodies of his defeated foes with an improvised hammer, and a destroyer is called to take him out. Ugh. So the destroyer sets off a flare, pretending to be a trip in, in a ship in trouble. Naturally, Charlie goes out to help, and while the crew of the ship doesn't want to hurt him, they do believe the reports that Charlie's gone berserk, and they shoot him with their guns. Oh no! It's crap. Yeah, Charlie sinks into the sea, despondent at his treatment by humans. I hate how they program all these robots to be able to cry when they die, man. It's really heartbreaking. Yeah, it really is. It looks super sad. However, the ruse hasn't worked. Quartz is ruined as newspapers call Charlie a hero and lament his tragic death. Only of the Terramechs, only Mechquake, Excavator, and Tarmech survive. Jesus. Like, uh, Mechquake just started hiding and he comes out and he's like, um, like, hey, I apologize. I was just doing my job. And everyone's like, boo, <laughs> you, you suck, suck. Mechquake. <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah, like, Excavator and Tarmech 
uh, basically just rampaged across the con- across the countryside for a couple days, uh, <laughs> like cutting huge swaths out of the earth and laying giant masses of tar of like asphalt behind them as they went, respectively. <laughs> so uh. stupid. So things seem pretty bittersweet until suddenly, what's that on the horizon? It's Charlie. The townsfolk gather to welcome him, singing that uh, You'll Never Walk Alone song at the top of their lungs. He'll help them rebuild the city, and they'll figure out how to go from there together. Yeah! Man, this frog is awesome. Teramex is great. Yeah. Hey, and in the end, what uh, what a wonderful story about humans and robots learning how to live together. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. And it's, like, super cute. Speaking of the opposite of that, <laughs> Thrill Six Robo Hunter. Oh my God, the exact opposite. So, so Robo Hunter is written by uh, John Wagner as TB Grover. The arts by Ian Gibson. Letterings by Steve Potter. Robo Hunter's back. Oh yeah. So uh, Sam Slade, expert robo-hunter, he's been sent to the planet Veritas where robots have taken over. It was supposed to be a human colony, and robots were sent to prepare the way, but now they see all humans as simulated humans or sims, and they just kind of kill the sims out of hand. (laughs) So Uh, he gets a little bit of catch-up in the first couple pages. Yeah. So now uh, Sam, along with his robo-scanner cutie, and the first robot who landed on the planet SJ-1, and a pair of robot boots... And uh, Kid, who was the pilot for, for, for Sam to arrive on Virtus, but an ex- an, a faster-than-light travel mishap has de-aged him to a baby. Only <laughs> they can stop these robots. Yay. When we last left off, uh, Sam and the Boots had found SJ-1 and brought him back to a robot apartment where they were hiding out and were holding Kid hostage until they verified if Sam was a human or not. SJ-1 convert- confirms that Sam is a human, and a decision is made to help Sam fix the planet. After much deliberation, uh, while the humans watch crazy robot television, <laughs> a plan is formed. They'll take the sewer system, of course, because it's 2018 and everybody takes the sewers, <laughs> to find the head of Virtus, the big brain, and explain the situation to him. And then some creepy robots happen. Yeah, the team hits the, hits, hits the manhole <laughs> and gets into the sewer system. They're immediately attacked by robot rats shouting, Impurities! <laughs> What's to be done? Well, shit'll get real weird first. Yeah, so robot rat, rats attacking. They clean the sewers automatically and Slade and kids seem like huge messes. <laughs> Luckily, our guys manage to escape them by jumping into a pool of water, which kills all the robots. Mm-hmm. But then a giant version of the same thing, a sewer crocodile, comes up and Which swallows. Which is huge. It's giant, and it swallows them whole. Inside the inside the thing, it looks like it's actually a ship being operated by a lonely robot named Bo. Which is oh, really funny. great. Yeah, sewer robot named Bo, buddy. <laughs> he fishes our guys out of the muck, and then basically, eventually, challenges them to a game of Robopoly. Which ain't. If they win, they can go. They'll take them wherever he wants, and they can go free. If they lose, they'll be stuck on the garbage ship, keeping Bo Company forever. Man, I really like the art in this uh, in the second Prague. Yeah, Ian Gibson draws some really fun stuff in the course of Robo Hunter, and this is really the start of it, where it's like just these Robo Rats and the giant um, ultra-sized Robo Crocodile and stuff. It's really mm. awesome. 
I just I, the inside is especially really cool. Like all yeah. the water, the sketchy looking pipes, and like whirring machines. Yeah, everything's really like detailed, and there's a ton going on in every picture. Like they end up being to me kind of like those old uh, Mad Magazine pictures. Sometimes yeah. where, you look, where like it's a big crowd scene, and it's just full of little things going on, and sometimes little jokes and things like that too. Yeah, it's really nice. It's just very detailed, and it's good to see Robo Hunter again. Yeah, man. We're gonna be with this. We're, we're, we're gonna be with with Rebel Hunter for a while now. Um, it becomes a pretty regular uh, feature for a good amount of the next maybe year or two for 2080. Uh, that's fucking sweet. Yeah, there ends up being some crazy social commentary stuff. But we'll get to it later. Oh God! <laughs> Until then, speaking of returning thrills, Thrill Seven, Dan Dare. Welcome back, Dan Dare. To some kind of uh, boring-ish? We'll see, yeah. Uh, the script robots is uh, Tom Tully, art robot Dave Gibbons, lettering robot Dave Gibbons. So we last left Dan Dare when he was floating through space on the remains of an eagle craft, and he gets picked up by the Mekon! Oh, he's, looking... he's all weird, yeah, he's yeah, looking he's, creepier. He's looking way the worse for wear. So yeah. after, be- after being taunted by a mysterious prisoner guy... Uh, Mekon agrees to have Dan Dare picked up, and after some quick medical procedures, reminiscing by the Mekon and killing at least one of his own dudes, Mekon <laughs> has Dan Dare put into the Memorathon, which will force him to relive all of his worst memories for torture purposes, like starting with the death of his old sidekick, Digby. Oh. Yeah, the shock wakes Dan Dare up, and he starts punching everybody, and as he Beats every, and as he beats up the entire ship, he says, uh, perhaps I'd better introduce myself. My name is... I can't remember! Oh my god, amnesia! He's got the amnesia! Great plot. Uh, Mekon jumps on this, and now brave <laughs> and noble Dan Dare is about to save the life of the Mekon. <sighs> Yeah, so Mikan is Dan Dare resuscitated and gives him a sweet uniform. And, like, here's yeah. here's the basic idea, all right? <laughs> uh, the Mikan says that he's the leader of a dying people and they need the fabled life crystal of Lystria to be saved. And only Dan Dare or uh, Marshal Varian of the Galactic Police Network, as uh, he says, as uh, Mikan says his name is can remove the warriors of Thraxos, who have recently conquered Lystria. Uh, that part's true, and provides some emphasis for Mekon's tale when the warriors of Thrax of uh, Thraxos attack their ship, and Dan Dare beats him up all easily, because he's still Dan Dare, even if he doesn't remember who he is. Anyhow. Yep. And I mean, it doesn't help when they're just, like, screaming, like, things like power, and die, and kill, destroy... It's definitely one of these situations where uh, the Mekon is a bad guy and he's planning to steal these life crystals from other bad guys. Yeah. Um, so, but anyway, the Mekon really wants life crystals for himself because he's swiftly dying. Will Dan Dare help Mekon and become the most hated man in the universe? We'll see next time. I want to believe that he's just like going along with this so he can commit some genocide that he hasn't done before, you know? Like, ooh, you know, I wasn't allowed to do this for a little while, and this is the perfect situation that I oh, could whet my appetite. Dan Dare's pretending to be amnesiac so he can actually be evil? Possible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't put it past him. Also wouldn't blame him for it. Mm. But 
generally speaking, Fox, now that we're at the end of our thrills for this month, mm-hmm. what were your top and bottom thrills for February 1978-79? So I, I actually had to think of it over the course of this because there were two that stuck out to me as actually damn, damn good. Like, mm-hmm. really damn good. So the the runner-up mention is Judge Dredd. Holy crap. Uh, I'm having so much fun with this, and I can't tell you how funny it was when it was, like, Klieg High, Klieg High, like, go driving your bullet car into Stink River, having a, a crime day that no one participates in. Like, it yeah. was goofy and dumb. But I'm going to tell you, man, if you're going to start a new series with robots and uh, and like out the gate just hit you in the feel. Robusters is, is amazing. It's this really like awesome story of like, yeah, the, the, the bigger they are, the kind of dumber the robot, I guess. Um, at least that's what, what's kind of done with their candor. But mm-hmm. I think that it really plays to that younger audience of like, oh, he's like, this nice robot that helps tow ships in and everyone really likes him and he sings songs and stuff like that. And then these evil corporate guys come in to come and smash stuff around and he just gets super awesome. And even the bad guy robots are really awesome. Everything about this was both funny and then led up to this point of him like eventually dying, coming back and then being accepted. And it was really beautiful. It gets my top spot. Nice. What's your bottom thrill for this month, Fox? Uh, I mean... If I was more disappointed in flesh, it would have been that. But I, dude, it's a hundred percent Angel. Angel sucks. It's gross. Angel's a good release valve for bottom thrills this month. <laughs> I hate it so much. <laughs> I hate it, Conrad. Fair. So, what was your top thrill, man? I'm I'm like pretty similar to you, man. Um, Angel's real bad. Um, good riddance, basically. Uh, and top thrill for me, man. Like I said, like like I always say, uh, Judge Dredd's always real close to me. Um, mm-hmm. There's some real good stuff in Judge Dredd. Although honestly, this month feels a little bit more like it's a it's a link to next to next month's mm-hmm. Judge Dredd when yeah. we get a little bit crazier stuff. And we're getting actually we're getting a little bit towards the end of uh, Judge Cal, or maybe two more episodes of the show away from finishing that up. But but. Top thrill. <laughs> Robusters, buddy. Yeah. Remarkably improved. I think it's funny. Our, the last two months, we've been sort of talking about how Robusters has been on the bubble a little bit mm-hmm. just because it's been these memory. Um, you know, I've said the, maybe the last three episodes, or no, yeah, the last two episodes that we've done progs. I've my I've been saying that I I don't like these memories. I'm tired of memories. I want to see <laughs> live Robuster action. You know? Oh, yeah. And here we are. It's live robuster action. It this this story doesn't even have the have Rojas and Hammerstein in it. You know. Yeah. Um. It's just kind of mech. It's just a story about robots doing junk. You know. It's not even like like Mechquakes barely in it. Howard Quartz is kind of in it, but just sort of talking about things. It's mostly just Charlie and these Terra Mechs blasting around, saying funny things, doing all this stuff like that. Exactly. Um, like. I what is it Prague? Um, I want to say Prague ninety nine, mm. where they show up, <laughs> where the, where the robust, yeah, in 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 Prague ninety nine is just this extended period where the robusters where where the Ateramex show up 
and they there's this huge there's this full page of all the of all the giant robots arriving and like tearing up the place then they have the big huddle and they talk about and they basically talk themselves into destroying all the humans and stuff um and you just it's the best conversation on the planet of just like how can we make it okay to kill these people so we can keep doing our job just instantly establishes all these characters and they all have person they all kind of have personalities or Mm -hmm. something and they're all pretty um they're all like funny and like like what are these robots what is this you know it's it's real good um well there's a lot of them like confirming statements that the other one will say so it'll be like oh i've really got to do this thing and it's like correct we must really do this thing and yes (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it keeps going, and it's just sort of people talking themselves into basically committing atrocities and stuff. Yeah. And then it forces Charlie to get on the action, and Charlie gets angry, and he, like, run, like rush, rushes over and yells the guys and says, uh, you know, like, leave them alone, or I'll give you rough stuff. And they yeah. say, uh, we got to do our work quota so you can die, you know. Um, and I mean, You don't die so easy. It's so awesome. And I think it's really telling that um, in... The uh, two th- in the 2080 40th anniversary like special edition thing, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of pages of different characters and like images and stuff, sort of commemorating and wishing a happy 40th anniversary to 2000 AD. And one of them is basically a redo of of Prague 99 of the big oh. mass of Terramex advancing on a city, being like happy 40th anniversary 2000 AD. You know, damn. That's um, awesome. It's so cool. Uh, and, man, it's just... It's so improved, and it's really exactly what I was looking for with the return to live, robuster action, you know? Heck yeah, man. And, like, not even to say just, like, the art is something I really love. Like, the robots don't look like you're... They look like a mix between Rock'em Sock'em robots, like, a small fraction of anime and some uh, and some mech warrior, you know. Yeah, Dave Gibbons is really drawing drawing his butt off for these uh, for these terror mech pieces. They're really good. They're just all so different and interesting. Like the giant truck, who's like, I want to crush them underneath my spike wheels. Yeah, the, yeah, Let no, every that. they're all kind of different. They all have their own personalities, and when you combine that with Pat Mills making them talk all funny and stuff, it's really just two guys at <laughs> the height of their game. It's real. It's a real good. Real good set of Robusters issues, this uh, 98 to 101. Basically, what we're saying is read Robusters. It's great. It's worth a shot. There's a collection. Yep. Um, anyhow, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. You can find 2080 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or our podcast site at Cradaline.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com or our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're spacespinner 2 k For everything else, please look up spacespinner2000 and we should be there. Come back next time as... Judge Cal goes even more insane. The Robusters take part in an insurance scam. Oh, great. Dan Dare and the Mekon make a landfall. The Strontium Dogs return yes! and begin their journey to hell. And Sam C. Slade meets the big brain. And the C stands for see you next time. <laughs> Until then, I'm Conrad, he's Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Splendug Birthrig! Splendug Birthrig!